This is World Beyond War, a new podcast. Welcome to episode 52 of the World Beyond War podcast. I'm Mark Elliott Stein, and I'm really looking forward to today's interview with Mohammed Abu Nahel, partly because I work closely with Mohammed at World Beyond War, and yet I've only briefly had a chance to hear the full story of his journey to peace activism. Mohammed Abu Nahel is a journalist and peace activist from Palestine, now living in India, where he is pursuing his PhD. He serves as the researcher for World Beyond War's No Bases campaign. His primary areas of interest encompass the Palestinian national struggle with Israel, Middle East issues, and the U.S. political landscape concerning these matters. Muhammad's work and writing are dedicated to shedding light on the Palestinian national struggle and advocating against U.S. foreign bases to resist military dominance. Notably, he is responsible for researching U.S. foreign bases for the comprehensive map of these bases that is available only on the World Beyond War website, viewing this endeavor as a significant step towards addressing broader militarism issues. We'll be talking about this map and many other things today. Hello, Mohammed. Hello, Mark. It's great to have you here today. Now, the map of U.S. foreign bases, which is on the World Beyond War website, is really something that you and I have put more work into than any other people at World Beyond War. And yet you and I are on opposite sides of the world, and it's morning over here and it's evening over there where you are. It's great to get a chance to talk to you, Mohammed. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. Uh, it is an truly honor for me to be here. Yes, Mark, we have worked closely for, you know, the almost more than a year working yes. on this map and creating this uh, this map. We have spent hours and hours uh, to do this map in its final version. You know, it has been, it has went through many stages of modifying and verifying that data and the information that we had. But finally, we have interactive map that has a lot of helpful information, um, helpful information for scholars, researchers, uh, news organizations, uh, news, news organizations, peace organizations, activists, and for everyone who is looking for peace and want to learn more about the U.S. spaces around the world. We have and a great I, job. I think so, too. In case anybody who's listening to this doesn't know about what we're talking about, it's really more than a map. It's an entire database. Um, and the, the title is USA's Military Empire, a visual database. So if you just Google those words, you'll, you'll find the World Beyond War page. And the different roles we play is I'm the JavaScript developer. I'm basically the technology part of this. And you are the database manager, the researcher. Yes. So, so you, have, you have gotten to learn a lot. You, you might be one of the world's experts on, on U.S. military bases at this point. Yes, I believe. Yes, I am. Because what I have done and what I'm doing right now, I don't think anyone has done that before because we are doing something in you which has not done before and yes. uh, at the same time i have developed many skills during this <laughs> journey and i am still doing so what kind of skills skills like um we are now talking about you as spaces 
If yes. we are talking about U.S. spaces, we are talking about the source, the source of the U.S. spaces. Let's say that uh, report from what's so-called the Department of Defense. This report, for me, seems are manipulated and don't have any accurate information. Mm-hmm. For example, if we compare reports from 2001, 2002, 2003, uh, with reports from 2000, um, uh, 2018, 2017, you will see how bases have been changed. At least the cities, <clears throat> the cities have been changed. The name have been changed. And everything for me seems manipulated. Um, at the same time, we have to verify this information. We cannot depend on this data because, as I said, it is manipulated and we have to verify that. And yes, this, yes, this is one skill and this requires a lot of time. For example, you have to read many articles. You have uh, to go through many reports from organizations to get only one single information about That's the base right. or about the location of the base or about the negative impact of the base, what the base has caused to a human and environment. Uh, yes. This is, is not an easy task to do, but we are doing that. Right. What, what I think people don't understand, because by the way, this map has been very popular on our website. It's one of the most popular pages on our website, gets a lot of coverage. Do you remember how many bases are on the map? Mahomet? We have around 900 bases, you know, 900, right. 900, 900 around 900. Sometimes we get emails with people correcting something and they're, and they may not understand the reason that, the reason that we are constantly correcting this map is that the United States military does not want this information to be known. We are, we have to find this information on our own because the entire, the entire idea of foreign military bases is, is to exert power and you don't exert power by, by telling the truth. Um, so we, we, our role, and especially your role, Mohammed, with these bases is to find the information that's out there that maybe governments don't want us to find. Yes, um, I, I totally <laughs> agree with you, Mark, and we have received many emails. And uh, if, if we can remember the last emails, the last email that we received asking about, you have a closed bases in your map. But uh, when we um, have done the, you know, background research, we find out that it's not closed. It was announced that it was announced by the Department of Defense. It is closed, but it is still. Yes. Yes, it is still used by the United States. (laughs) Right. I mean, the fact is, when people who live near a base tell us that the base is still there, I think that we can take that pretty seriously. <laughs> yes, we can do that, right. Yes. And, and also this, this information or this data mark needs, you know, to be updated in a regular basis because the number of bases, um, the number is subject to increase or decrease and I hope there would be no bases at all. Yes, yes. I mean, that, that points to the overall purpose of this which is that to close all bases. No, yeah. Well, and also to to let yes. First of all, the the entire project is called close bases. We want no military bases. We want no U.S. military bases. We want no 
anybody to have military bases because preparation for war just leads to war. Um, and and these bases are all also profit centers that develop their own momentum for claiming territory and claiming land. And once a country starts allowing military bases from a, from a foreign power like the United States, they are actually losing control over their own destiny. Um, and we, we see some of the, the horror of what happens with, with many of the disasters around the world today, including the Ukraine war and um, the rising tensions between the United States and China, which is largely about all the U.S. military bases in Europe pointed at Russia and all the military bases in the Pacific region pointed at China. Um, and we also, a couple of other things I just want to mention. One is that um, this, this work, while we, I think we've taken it further with this map, and I'm really proud of the work we've done, we are building on the work of David Vine, a professor who has specialized in this. Um, our former World Beyond War president, Leah Bolger, was a big advocate of this project. So we are building on the work of lots of people, but um, you know, we think we're taking it farther with this map. So again, you know, I just want to make sure everybody knows where to find it. US, USA's Military Empire, a visual database. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, definitely um, check this out. I think what surprises people the most is how asymmetrical United States power is. The fact that the USA has so many bases around the world and no other country has anything similar to it. No, nothing. No, none, none. Even none. China and right. um, uh, China or uh, Russia. And, right. And, and by the way, there is no face, uh, there is no face of comparison between the U.S. overseas bases uh, and China and Russia. However, China has about eight foreign bases. One in Djibouti, uh, one in Djibouti, and some on a human-made island on the South China Sea, and also right. I believe in Tajikistan, Pakistan, Cambodia, Sri Lanka, and uh, so on. And on the other hand, Russia bases can be found in seven countries in total. There are around uh, forty-two bases around the world, but you know, right. uh, no country like. U.S. with its bases, and this is something has not been done through the entire history. Right. The number of I mean, bases, yeah. this is, you know, unbelievable. I often remind people, when the United States emerged from World War II in 1945 as the most powerful country on Earth, we never really left Japan and Germany. The United States, and by the way, I am a a citizen against my wishes, really. Um, I, am a, I am a citizen of the United States, so I say we. I very much object to what the United States does around the world. But um, the United States really never left Germany after World War II. You, it's absolutely shocking how many, if you look at our map, it's shocking how many military bases are in Germany and how many military bases are in Japan. And we cannot ignore the fact that this has provoked the continuing state of war with Russia because we never left Germany and we have these bases in Germany pointing at Russia and we are still you know, effectively at war with China 
because we never left Japan and we never left the Philippines and we, you know, still have bases pointing at China. The majority of bases can 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 be found there in Germany in in Italy, right? Italy as well. That's right. Yes, Italy, um, Japan, Philippines also had a lot of U.S. bases over there. Is it, I wonder how many people think that when World War II ended that the United States went home because we didn't. <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, yeah, but um, I, I really believe that by, by you and I working on this map, and by the way, a few other people at, at World Beyond War also work on this, so it's, it's not just the two of us. We should acknowledge Bob Fantina, um, David Swanson, um, Alison from Australia, who has been on this podcast. Um, so, you know, this is a this is a joint effort, but we really think that this is helping people understand the asymmetrical power that yes. the United States is projecting. Yes. And one more point here I would like to mention. The U.S. Sure. has been at war for about um, 227 years of its uh, 247 years of uh, existence. You see, like it's uh, yes. the, the beast time, you know, is it's rare, you know, I can say, you know, very limited, no peace time at all. It's, I have, well, I have never seen peace in my lifetime. I mean, when I was a child, this was before the fall of the Soviet Union. We heard that the Soviet Union was the evil empire. Okay. Um, and then when the Soviet Union collapsed, there were a couple of years in the United States where people were saying things like There's, there will never be another war. And then um, the September 11th attacks happened and we started a war in Iraq, even though they had nothing to do with September 11th. And we've been at war ever since. Yeah. So, and it's time also. And everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. And, and it's why you and I are both here. Um, so why don't, why don't we, um, you know, the, the fascinating thing, Mohammed, is this map has kept you and, I, you and I so busy that we really didn't get a chance to, to talk and get to know each other until recently. You know, we've been working together longer than we've gotten to know each other. Um, and over time, because you and I have, some, have had meetings, you've told me just a little bit about your life. I know you're a father um, and you've just had a baby. Yes. Um, you're living in India now. I mean, actually, I shouldn't even try to. Can you tell me about your your entire journey? Where, and you know, the fact that you came from Gaza. This is actually something I want to talk about a lot in this interview. Um, you, your journey has taken you from from Gaza, from Palestine to India. Can you can you just sort of start at the beginning and tell us? How did how did you find yourself where you are now? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, um, it is uh, I can say it is a very long and a very complicated story, <laughs> and uh, it was not as uh, what it was not easy. But I have uh, overcome all the challenges or the obstacles that I face. However, um, I will start my talking by introducing myself as a Palestinian from Gaza City who has lived 25 years under the brutal Israeli attacks and aggressions. Mm -hmm. uh, during that 25 years I lived there, I experienced three major aggressions with continual bombing, 
you know, I lost many friends due to the to due to the Israeli bombardment that is um, supported by the United States with 3.8 billions in military aid annually. And even, you know, for the Palestinian because uh, uh, the U.S. hand is there. And uh, for for me, like Mark, um, my family, who are 10 members, and I, and everyone in Gaza lived in constant fear. We have never felt secure. Never. Um, right. Additionally, we have experienced the suffocating siege that started in 2007, which was imposed by Israel um, with a cooperation with other neighboring countries, uh, which has resulted in an extreme high rate of un- unemployment. Uh, as a result, we have, you know, suffered to get the basic needs for any human being. You know, I can say that the food... Uh, none of us, including my father, were able to work uh, more than, uh, you know, a short period of time. <clears throat> or f- mm. That is basically uh, uh, led to a cloudy future. I can say a cloudy future. <clears throat> and uh, allow me, Mark, to explain what I mean by cloudy future. Let's uh, categorize, you know, the age, you know, the age for any human, for, for, for any, any person. If I will divide it, the stages of life from the childhood for 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 anyone, I would say that from the childhood to the university degree, I consider this stage as a stage of um, dependence on parents. You know, you depend on your family. Yes. And, uh, yes. Um, the stage the 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 age of this stage is up to twenty four years, right? Okay. And uh, see here, you know, when I was 13, you know, during this age, when I was 13 years old, the siege was imposed. So when I was, when I started to open my eyes, I found a siege. For Gaza, as I said, Gaza is a city in Palestine, has a special circumstances for its, you know, political, internal political situation there. And the siege means that everything was, you know, or, or blockade, everything was blocked, coming, entering, uh, import, export, nothing, nothing. You know, it's, as it was described, the biggest open air prison in the world. Yes, I've heard that. Yes, no um, one can go to Gaza, no one can leave Gaza, nothing can enter Gaza, for example, Israel, because they are, you know, claiming they are doing a, uh, uh, they are uh, showing humanity to the, to the Palestinian people. They are saying, or they are allowing only for the basic need, for the basic need. And there is this. This might be funny, Mark, but I, I, I'll say it. A toilet paper was not allowed by Israel because they they consider this is as not the basic need. Huh. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes, tissue paper was not in the basic need. Yes, it is a basic need. <laughs> for them is not, and it was not allowed for a while, you know, for a long time. It's not allowed. So, the, yeah, these are ways of terrorizing a population. Yes, yes. You know, yes. This, with this siege, with this, and as I said, it was done with a cooperation with neighboring country as well. But we will not dive into details, but we can, we can say that generally, 
uh, it was not done only by Israel, but it uh, it was done with the help of other countries. What I'm getting from you is that the problems in the Middle East are not just the United States and Israel, but but other countries as well that are. Um, if we can, if we are talking about the Middle East, the main the main problem is the United States. That's what I believe. See what's going yeah. on in Syria. Um, uh, the United States hand is there in Palestine. You know, you know, with they they are supporting Israel. With uh, that is uh, that uh, that three point eight billion that that was only for for military aid. I know there is another kind of support that you know maybe we didn't know, but there there is. And for, for Gaza, for Gaza itself, you know, I was, I know, I grew up in Gaza. I grew mm-hmm. up, you know, uh, uh, in, in bombardment, uh, assassinations, killing, kidnapping. Uh, there is no peace, you know. As I said, Mark, I have lived the twenty-five years and uh, under fear and scared. You know, I was scared all the yes. time. And this, this is due to the. Um, Israeli aims, you know, Israel have a, a very long uh, objectives, uh, that's what I can say, and their main problem, you know, right, for example, okay, now let's talk about the West Bank, if, if you have realized what, uh, if you have felt the news, Mark, about what Israel has done in the West Bank, in the city of Jenin, mm-hmm. they have yes. committed yes. a massacre there. They uh, have killed a lot of people, and this, you know, people in West Bank, you know, witness that every day, almost, you know, every day, and every checkpoint you will see uh, Israeli people, Israeli soldiers are killing Palestinians. What is going on in Jerusalem right now? What is going on in Jerusalem exactly in the special month for Muslim people in Ramadan? In, in these occasions, Israel is trying to uh, break out the their aggression yes i mean escalate i i yes, I, yes. Use the word escalation yes yes that's that's kind of escalation mark you know you know we have experienced this and we are still um see that every day and israel is still uh doing that every day to the palestinian well, people and uh, we will not give up and we will still fighting to get our country back, Palestine is only for the Palestinian people and is not for the for for the for them or for the Israeli, uh, right? Or, the, or for not the Israeli, I'll say for the Zionist project, right? That was uh, give them the land, and this is also the United Kingdom mistakes, and we still pay the price for their mistakes. As a Jewish American, to me, the disaster of, you know, the the breakdown of civil relations between the Jewish people of the world and the Muslim people of the world, we actually had like a millennium of living in peace together. And I believe that there is no reason we can't continue to live in peace together. Um, no, Israel one, is- no one has a problem with, with, the, with the Jewish or... Well, the, the main problem is that the Zionist project and the Zionist people. Personally, I don't believe in countries. I don't believe that the United States needs to exist. I don't believe Israel needs to exist. I don't believe England needs to exist. I don't believe India needs to exist. You know, I believe people can find a better way to relate to other people than um, this thing called 
you know, mass national governance. That's my sort of vision of peace. I'm curious, do you have any hope for peaceful coexistence in the Middle East and in Okay, just can you be, be more specific with your question? Like, um, do you, do you, do you, sure, do you, what is your hope for the region? What, what is, what is for the region or for Palestine? For Palestine, okay, let's say, okay, for, for, for Palestine, I hope to be to get its independent and self determination and to be an independent country as well as all other countries. Yes, to be free, you know, we are Palestinian. We have to live free. We have to live, and we must live in peace. And self-determination. I mean, you yes, shouldn't... definitely. Yeah. Now, I mean, one thing that struck me that you said is that that there was no um, system of employment in Gaza. That, you know, for instance, that these this state of war makes a society unlivable. Yes, it, it does. Here in the United States, or here when I speak to people and we hear the, the, the name Gaza, we really don't understand what it's like to live there on a day-to-day basis. Are you, it sounds like what you're saying is that the state of siege prevents the growth of an economy, prevents the growth of normal life is that right i mean can you yes that you are right yeah. it prevent everything that we got only oxygen that you know if they can they could control oxygen they would have done that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i haven't heard that phrase that's funny if they could control oxygen um can you just tell me sort of about what is it like on a day-to-day basis growing up in gaza you know what did you experience I'm guessing you had a very different type of childhood than I did or many other people did. Can you tell me more about you? Palestinian, Palestinian people have uh, uh, have a different story, Mark, uh, because you, for example, uh, you have your family or your, your children, you know. They live peacefully. They stay home. They go out. They go to school. The school bus come to, the, to their home. Uh, they go peacefully, come peacefully. Nothing to worry about, right? But the situation is completely different in Gaza. You know, if when a mother sent her stu- her uh, children to the school, you know, she was she is very worrying about them because you know, you know, we are subject to bombardment at any time. At 2008, Mark, 2008, the Israeli aggression, 2008, 2009. You know, at one in, in less than in less than seven second, in less than seven second, uh, the the sky was full of. F-16, and they bombing Gaza from north to the east, from west to the west. In less than seven second mark, they destroyed Gaza. So we are subject, you know, we are subject to um, uh, bombardment at any time, at any second. Uh, as I said, we have never, we have never lived in a peace or in a secure place. Even home, home is is known for everyone is a secured place for you. Right. Not in not in Gaza or not in Palestine. Even if it, it is your home, but you cannot control it. You know, when 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 the Israel soldiers come and raid your your house, what you can do? Right. Nothing. Right. Nothing. Right. So the situation- our, our home. Yeah, you're you're right. The word home 
should mean safety and safety. security. Yes, home means yes. safety. Where do you feel comfortable? Where you know well, you go, you go, you work long time out, you know, in, at at your work, and you come for home for safety, good relaxation, right? You can't get that kind of relaxation outside your home. This sort of leads to my next question, which is that I I know you have gone to great lengths to to provide your growing family, that you have a, a growing family of your own and that you want to be able to um, raise your children in a different environment. Can you tell tell us more about... Yes. Um, uh, Mark, I lived, you know, my childhood was terrible. Uh, I can remember all the bad memories that I have seen or I have experienced. And I don't want my children to live the same life that I had. I had a very difficult life since that, since, you know, when I was very young till, yeah. uh, till I was 25 years when I was able to manage to leave Gaza. But for, for me, Mark, and for my children, I want them to live in peace. They want, I want them to live in different environment because no one wish or no one want to live in that situation. But what it can, what we can do, nothing. But for me, as I, you know, I can say I have different situation as I am out of Gaza. I, you know, um, got married out of Gaza. I'm staying, I'm doing my PhD right now out of Gaza. So I um, hope that I can finish my program within the coming um, year or so. After that, I'll start looking for a job, a good job. And um, my wife uh, also will come. Yes, and by the way, Mark, uh, me and my wife, we are doing uh, our PhD program. And we are raising up the family of two yes. sons. And we are doing, um, uh, at the same time, I'm doing uh, my work at Working World as a registered researcher. Uh, we, you know, our life is not an easy. It has been <laughs> know, yeah. challenging. But we enjoy, you know, our life. At any way, at under any circumstances, it is completely better than, you know, being in Gaza or to, you know, at least we are not scared that, you know, we will get uh, bombed from Israel. You know, we feel secured here. Right. But and your your wife, she is from Gaza as well. Yes, yes, she is uh, Palestinian from Gaza City. She was studying. Um, under the same scholarship, but uh, at a different university. And I got to know her through a common friend. And um, I am lucky, Mark, <laughs> with her. Wow. That's nice to hear. Um, by the way, what are, what are you studying? And what is your, what is your you know, ultimate hope to, for your own career? Um, my bachelor's degree was in English language and translation. That was in 2012. Uh-huh. I did not know that. Wow. Okay. And my um, master's degree was in um, mass communication and journalism, 2019, uh, from India, from Tisbur University. And right now I'm doing my PhD um, uh, about uh, the role of uh, social media. And I am still Uh in my second uh, or at the beginning of my third year. I did not actually know that you studied English translation and that you were um, worked in this 
area. And that makes a lot of sense in terms of the work you do at World Beyond War. So, I have, Mark, I have my reason why I involved in this and this work, you know, as uh, um, I have my own reason. And I have many reasons to to do to do so. And I was I was uh, telling I was you know I was saying about the stages of life, Mark. If we go back, and yes. Why I am saying that to you, and why I'm saying it is a cloudy future, right? So, using uh, Gaza, you know, and including me, you know, if I were in Gaza. Uh, when we reach the age of 30, we still have not accomplished anything. The accomplishment right. are zero. And trust me, if I say it is in the minus, you know, we, yes, it is in the minus, you know, the, the achievements are zero. You have, you, you are in the age of 30. And, you know, before that, I was saying to you, Mark, you know, that's the, the stage where we from um, uh, up to 24, uh, where we get, you know, we are dependent on parents, but the the, the 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 second stage, I can say, the second stage is from 25 to 35, uh, which is the age of production, as I see it, or I consider it, the age of production, such as getting a job, saving money, building a future, getting marriage, or going to higher education. These things will be done, or must be done, at this, you know, at this age. And the third stage, I can say 36 and above. And I consider this a stage of um, stability, the age of thinking about building a future for a family. Um, yes. This is the way that I see the ages and the things that we have accomplished within these, you know, ages. And for, for, for us as a Palestinian, we reached the age of 30 and 36. And you still, these young men, they still have nothing. You know, they are depending on their families to get a few dollars. Even though they have nothing, their families have nothing. This is, right. This is, so, this is yeah. There. It sounds to me like you, you had a vision of a life that you, you know, uh, and a family that that you knew you was your destiny. Yes, Mark. But yes. you had to change your circumstances. To, yes, yes, to Mark. This is the reason that's why... I was thinking out of the box. I want to get out of this circle. I don't want <clears throat> to reach the age of 30 and my achievement is zero. That's why I decided to think of my future, to think how can I leave Gaza, how can I know, um, you know, simply I'm looking for a good future. That yeah. was the main idea of leaving Gaza. And... Um, when I left Gaza, that, that was not easy. I went through many difficulties, but I did not give up, Mark. You know, I can you can you help me understand what it what it took to leave Gaza? What 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 were what was necessary for you to to be able to um, you know, for instance, if if you grew for somebody who is growing up in Gaza. Are you able to just leave or, you know, what are, what, how did you Many. proceed? Okay, Mark, simply as I, um, as I said, we reached the age of 30 and the achievement is zero. 
okay and from this point i'll talk about myself you know uh, although i obtained my bachelor degree the thought of a career or higher education seemed distant dream that was something impossible literally impossible but uh, i did what i could i worked from whatever job becomes available anything from manual labor to translation from arabic to english you know i made uh, contact with people outside of palestine through social media and i never stopped looking for opportunities um, wow. i had seen many people give up you know people who like me had completed a bachelor degree in 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 any of various subjects but had a little or no hope for career if i may interrupt so in other words you completed your bachelor's degree in palestine in gaza yes yes okay and but at that point it was at that point that you said you need you you're at a you're at a stopping point yes from that point i have completed my my, my my bachelor degree i was thinking of my future i was thinking of my higher education at least you know for the uh, at least a career at least a job but that was distance dream that was something impossible for me and uh, you know like like i spent i used to work in construction for example mark right i used to get like um, maybe around 10 usd or maybe maybe 7 to something 7 to 10 usd per day and i worked from 7 a.m till 7 p.m uh-huh yep and and meanwhile you're you you know have skills in translation so you you really work in construction is not probably the best use of your brain power that is not but what i can do what i can what i could do mark nothing nothing we were in, uh, was at hand at that time so i have to work at anything is available anything that from labor from translation i worked in in, in iron i worked and you know painting with uh, electrician mm-hmm. yes wow yes <laughs> i you know till now you know but there is there is a a positive uh, point from this experience you know you know i am fully i have good experience in construction and uh, these things as I, i you know i have uh, well those are good life skills to get i'm sure that yes. has helped you. yes yes it is yes it is but where did you how did you get from there to where you are now that i i can't you know my story will not be completed if i will not tell you about you know someone that i got to know through social media uh, uh who is you know uh american author and journalist living in Canada you know this uh, uh, this person become a, f- a friend and uh, but uh, the fact is that he's not only a friend but also carry the responsibilities as a father you know i'm saying a father because of what he has done to me a father doesn't do to his son uh, you know he always gets my back you know and supported me with all kind of support you know he trusted me to be someone with a good future he has you know mark he has paved my way when it was completely broken road he has enlightened my way when it was you know completely dark wow wow uh, 
he so has basically yeah he has created a future for me and to be honest i would not be what i am right now without his support and all the credit goes to him and any achievement i have made or i will make or do will be always associated with his name wow it sounds like by the relationships you've made by reaching out you were able to make a relationship yes. that really yes. really he, made it and, and he trusted he put all his trust on me and he believed in me that I'll be someone I'll be someone with a good future how did you meet this person through oh, social Facebook. media wow <laughs> that 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 was long time ago i believe that was in 2012 or 12 or 13 somewhere if you had not made this contact do you think you would have found your way to no. to no no wow. no, okay. no 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 that was impossible maybe maybe you know as i said you know he has paved the way for me you know i think i hope this is inspiring to people who try to help other people yes. to hear how grateful yes. you are yes 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 how much it has made a difference in your life yes i mean it makes yeah it makes mark and as i as as i said you know i wouldn't be where i am right now without him and without his support you know he gets me out of the dark i also want to say that you by being who you are through your unique personality and your unique talents you made yourself visible to somebody halfway across the world who was hoping to be able to help someone um and and you you know you were able to be the recipient of help and that that also is so important you know for you to be who you were for you to have your dreams and your ambitions and your hopes yes must have must have you know mark made somebody say here's a person who i could really help yes. who isn't who isn't going to take my help and and throw it in the garbage no. but is yes. take my help build a life yes. with it yes yes i totally i totally agree and i am i'm appreciating that you have mentioned this point mark because you know there are many people around the world who are looking for you know any kind of support right even it's a little of support but it can makes a difference in someone's life absolutely yes I, you know yes please go ahead before before this is sort of a just as another sort of funny thing um and then i want to get right back to it but i'm also intrigued that you made a connection through facebook that was so consequential in your life um what you and i have in common besides working at world beyond war is you and i both think that social media is important yes. you know it in its negative and positive impact and you know without yes. social media how can i know someone who's staying in united states or from canada you know that's how can i you know it is uh, yeah. possible but uh, we i would also say you know just from my point of view if it were not for social media i would have never heard of an organization called world beyond war um so even though social media has so many problems and causes so many um benefits at the same time yeah yeah i mean the fact is that if somebody has ambitions and somebody wants to make a difference in their life the the ability to connect with other people around the world is so important so but you know having said that i and i'm sort of just saying that because i often hear people say what well, you know social media does no good no, well you and i it does, good. It does good for those who want to be good you know 
Yes. And for people who are trapped and for people who are at a dead end and don't know where to go, um, it can provide. So, yeah, not not to be a commercial for social media, because we all know I, there are many problems with I, it. But, you see, Mark, yeah. without him, you know, I was not able to leave Gaza. I, you know, I, I, I yeah. can't. And, and, by, and by the way, he encouraged me to write, you know, my bachelor degree, as I said, it was in English. And I always, you know, I, um, and so I have always felt I had uh, talent for writing and decided to pursue this, this interest. Right. Yes. And uh, when I was in Gaza at that time, Mark, uh, I start to think um, of getting out of Gaza, leaving Gaza with, with the hope of good future, as I said, and completing my higher education. Now I have my way and he has encouraged me to do so he has encouraged me and uh, you know gave me all kind of support to complete my higher education and um, I start you know I start to apply for a scholarship or anything available so that I can get a visa and leave Gaza and apply for a scholarship to India uh, to pursue my master's degree. Then I found, uh, I remember I found an exchange program in Indonesia and applied and get accepted. And Indonesia was my first destination. Was it a, a matter of you trying to find any way to change my your circumstances? Way, my thinking or my plan was only to leave Gaza. Then doors will be open. Mm. That's the main wow. problem. The main problem is how to leave Gaza. When you say apply for a visa, how difficult is it to get a visa? Like, for example, I'll say, Mark, you want to go to any place, let's say that uh, Egypt, for example. Simply you go to the Egyptian embassy in the United States, applying for a visa, for, um, you know, two, three days you get your visa, simply, you know. That's, you know, very simple, right? But for us, we don't have embassies. <laughs> Mm. You know, Good they point. don't recognize you don't... Gaza or Palestine as a country. So they, you know, when they give, when they give, and an, when there is an embassy in a country, that it means it recognizes it as a country, and they changing ah, yes. embassies, right? So we don't have embassies, you know, any kind. You don't have embassies. Simply like we can, you can find a representative office, like the Indian. India has, and it doesn't have an embassy. But it had a representative office, and at that time, you know, when I applied for my scholarship, uh, this office doesn't issue visa for anyone. Uh, when I applied for my exchange program in Indonesia, um, I got accepted. But the main problem appeared to be at hand at that time, which is uh, I had no money to leave, and how can I leave Gaza? Right. I had only zero. How can I leave Gaza? Leaving Gaza at that time, and still this time, is not an easy task. You have right. to apply and get uh, coordinations or something like no objection letter or certificate, and that cost 1,500. I, I, I face the same problem. I can share it now. I'll share it, I'll share it now with you, Mark. But, uh, but I um, hardly I managed to leave Gaza, and my... And my Canadian friend supported me uh, financially. Great. So, um, the financial problem was solved. 
And you, you mentioned that you mentioned some the, a no objection letter. Are you saying that somebody can object to you leaving? Okay, let me explain this point uh, to be more clear. Now Gaza has two um, two way or to, to leave Gaza. There is two way. One from the Israel side and one from the Egyptian side. Let's start from the Israeli side. The Israeli side. If I, if anyone from Gaza want to leave from Israel, Israeli side, first they have to, you know, and from Israel they go through Jordan and they can travel from Jordan Airport. Right. Okay. And so, first of all, they have to get no objection certificate or letter from the Jordanian. Um, side and this takes not less than three months and I had the same experience Mark I can I'll, I'll share it with you uh, also after you get this uh, no objection you get you have to apply to um, to get the clearance or something you know that Israeli have to do security check on your record and your history and if they allow you to or not, and in case, you know, they catch many people, you know, they are allowing them to travel, but they catch them at that, at that, uh, you know, at that border. Mm-hmm. This is from Israel and from the Egyptian side. Um, as we don't have airport, we have only border, you know, border with, uh, with Egypt. Right. right. So we have to apply for registration in uh, the Palestinian government in Gaza. And uh, you have to wait long time, maybe you know, three, four, five months till you get your name ready for travel. But alternatively, you can get, you can approach any traveling agency. You pay one thousand five hundred USD, and you get this clearance, and you can travel easily. But at uh, uh, that, that is a lot of money, though. It is, yes. Yes. And, uh, at that time, I, I told you I had nothing. How can I manage that? Right. But hardly I did. Hardly I did. And uh, right now I am in Indonesia. Okay. When I was there, when I was there, I got you know my university acceptance. You know I was accepted in my master degree at India. That was when I when I was in Indonesia, <clears throat> and I was so happy with this news. You know, I went directly. You know, when I got that, that that news, I went directly to the Indian embassy in Jakarta, the capital city of Indonesia, to obtain my visa. And by the way, I was in an island called Sumatra, which is around two one day one one and a half day traveling. You know, uh, driving. Yes, by bus. And I arrived at the Indian um, embassy there, but unfortunately, I was not able to get my visa because I was not a resident of Indonesia and advised me to obtain my visa from my country or any other neighboring countries, which are either Egypt or um, Jordan. Oh, so in other words, after after reaching this point, they told you you still couldn't go. No, because I was not resident, and I have to obtain obtain my visa from my country. And I, I explained to them, Mark, we don't have Indian embassy. We don't have right. Indian embassy. Simply, he said, go to neighboring country, but not here. We are not neighboring country. 
Indonesia is not your neighboring country. Go to Egypt or Jordan. Ah, uh, that was. Um, uh, then, uh, as I said, you know that it doesn't have um, any embassy. Uh, but uh, as I as I mentioned earlier, it has a representative office in Ramallah, uh, which uh, you know I cannot go there. You know, if I were in Palestine, I I I could not go there due to the Israeli restriction. I see. Yes, and but, at the same time, I could not go to Egypt because as a young man, you know, young men, we are we we uh, we are not allowed and, and uh, are not allowed to enter Egypt. If anyone wants to do so, they have. Uh, to get something that uh, no objection and that cost around 1500 as i said and at that time i absolutely had no money right. the main problem with me was how to travel and to get my visa that was the main problem and the second problem you know financially you know i you know nothing you know zero empty you know as i used to describe it uh, it's clean nothing a new one yeah I understand. I mean, I I'm guessing you're you're working to make a living, but working to make a living doesn't doesn't give you the money to travel to travel, yes. get a, I'm, get a I'm visa. Not, yeah. I'm not traveling, Mark, to get you know for enjoyment. Yeah, <laughs> no, right. <laughs> not for tourism or something or discovering something that I don't know. No, only yeah. to get my education. So how did you get past this stuff? This step. Yes, and from Indonesia, I decided to go to Malaysia with the hope I, with the hope that I can or I could obtain my visa there. When I arrived at the airport, I was stopped at uh, the Indonesian um, Surrey Malaysian Airport. Uh, I met the immigration officer and asking why I was visiting Malaysia, and uh, she wanted to see how much money in cash I had. She was not convinced that I came for a tourism and to obtain my visa, but finally she agreed. She, she, you know, she, she agreed and allowed me to 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 enter for one month. And again, I went directly to the Indian embassy in Kuala Lumpur. But I hear the same answer, the same response: We cannot give you visa. You have to go. You have to get it from your country. Wow. So, so even though you were in Malaysia and you wanted to go to India, Malaysia would not let you go to India. You had to go back. The main problem is the main problem was I don't have visa. And how can I get my visa? I explained Egypt was impossible. Palestine doesn't have embassy, and Jordan that that it takes that no Egyptian certificate, which need uh, three months at not not less than three months. And by the way, Mark. At that time, time is passing. Every day is passing that reduce, uh, increase that, 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 that challenge and reduce my, um, you know, that it, it was very, very, very difficult. I can say that. How can I get my visa? And I, I mean, I'm imagining that you were worried that you were going to lose yeah. the opportunity to study in yeah. India. You know, every day was passing. The, the chance was very limited. Every day passing, the chance is very limited. And I'll go ahead. And from Malaysia, I didn't give up, Mark. I decided to apply for Indian tourism visa, you know, that we can get it online. Again, again, with the hope that I could convert it to a student visa. I had hope. 
I can convert my e visa to a student visa. Just I decided to go there. But see, my, and again and again, till this time, I am supported my you know Canadian friend. Right. Till you know, as I told you, you know, I I left with nothing and I still with nothing and I am still get that kind of support. At the airport, the officer was holding my. I, I will not. I, I will never forget this. This mark. I know. Never forget this. This. This moment at the airport, the officer was holding my passport and asking, "What is this? And which nationality it belongs to?" I told him proudly, "I am a Palestinian." And uh, you know, after you know a long negotiation with him, he allowed me in. Then I went to the Palestinian you know, directly from the airport to the Palestinian embassy in Delhi directly. You know, if you realize that, all my story, from airport to embassy, from airport to embassy. And uh, from, uh, I arrived uh, to the um, uh, Palestinian embassy in Delhi. But unfortunately, they were not able to help me out. They, you know, they, they, they don't have the authority or the power to convert my visa. Or they who, who is this? Where are you now? You're in what? Right now, I am in Delhi or India. Palestinian uh, embassy in uh, Delhi. Okay. Yes, but the Palestinian embassy was not able to help me. They don't have the power or the authority to change or to convert my visa. Um, but yes, yes right. they don't have power. They they don't have that authority to do so. And they advised me to apply and then get the result. And I did. I applied. But the same answer, Mark, the same answer. Get your visa from your country or any other country. I hate listening to this again. No, I, you know, I don't <laughs> yes. want to listen to this again. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine how frustrated and, and worried you must have been. Yes. And um, by the way, at this time exactly, my semester has started. So I decided to go to my university, which was far away from Delhi. I booked my ticket till this time. Again, I am still supported by my friend. Right. When I reached my university, when I went to the international center, that center, you know, that is uh, responsible for you know, international students. I went there and the director was very angry because I was coming with a tourism visa and not with a student visa. And he refused to host me at the university or allowing me to attend any class and advised me to get visa and come back. Jeez. So the same thing you're hearing at the airports, you're now hearing at your university. Even my university now is not hosting me. Where can I go? Where can I sleep? Where can I stay? How can I overcome all these problems? It is something that I can say it is 100 years bigger than me. Yeah. Uh huh. I mean, I, I get the sense that you're, you're a person who the world refuses to recognize. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. I mean, here, here you are. I think, I'm sure anybody who meets you can see how serious you are and see how determined you are, but they can't recognize you as a human being, as a... Yes, you know, yes that's, 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 that's true. Yes, that's true. And till, till, time, till that time, Mark, I didn't give up. You know, I feel frustrated. I feel down. But, you know, there's someone, you know, my friend who is supporting me. 
That's Maybe support that was not kind of financially only. Right. You know, that it was enough when he told me that you will get your visa and you will get your master's degree. That, you know, that was enough motivation for me. At any point, if you had given up, it probably would have been very easy to give up. It is, it is very easy, um, Mark, for anyone to, to give up. But it's very difficult to keep fighting. You know, why, you know, what? I realize that, or I, I understand that. We have to take rest after long fighting, Mark. After long fighting, if you want to take rest, take rest only for a short period of time. After that, you know, go back and fight again. Don't give up. I'm curious, what is it, in, what is it inside you that made you able to continue? Why didn't you give up? Wow, that's a very smart question, Mark. <laughs> I didn't give up, Mark. Why? First of all, I have or I had no hope to go back to Gaza. So I am now, I consider myself as stateless. How if I give up where to go and how, how, who will, you know, who will look after me? And this is the first point. The second point is my dream. To complete my higher education that's that's the you know that's what motivated me more i have to get my master's degree and that was as i said mark that was distant dream that was an impossible dream for me but i worked hard to get that and again i will uh, say that again and again proudly without my friend support that would not be completed you know yeah you know, I went to, you know, many times I was depressed. I you know, just, I hate what, you know, I was asking why that happened to me. Is that because I'm a Palestinian? I don't have embassy. If, if we have, if, if we have, a, if, we, if we have Indian embassy or we have airport, simply I can book my ticket to my country. Three hours, three hours, I'll be in my country. Ten minutes, I'll get my yeah. visa and another three hours, I'll be in India. Right, Mark? Right. So that is, Happened to me because I'm a Palestinian. I'm paying that bill which I didn't purchase. What is it like to travel around to go to different areas with a Palestinian passport? You know, does it? Do you feel you're treated differently? Mm, okay, uh, Mark. Can you imagine that when the Indian officer asked me where? Uh, uh, was this? He's holding my passport, and so he asking me what? What is this? And I told him that from Palestine, and he said, what, Pakistan? I told him, no, sir, no, 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 please, it is Palestine. And he said, is this a country? And I told him, oh, yes, yes, sir, it is. It is. And many people, Mark, many people, they don't know Palestine. And many people know Palestine and do respect and pray for Palestine and the Palestinian people. And I, I can, I can, uh, I'll come to this point also, Mark, when... Uh, I am in the Jordanian uh, uh, airport. I'll tell you what happened, you know, because, you know, I am a Palestinian. It's not easy, Mark. See, and when you are travel, you know, although I travel, you know, Indonesia, Malaysia, Jordan. But to be honest, I didn't have that test of enjoyment. But to be honest, if you ask me why, because uh, I was worrying about money. You know, he, right. I have someone who is supporting me. 
But that that was not easy for me to take from him. Please, yeah, he, right. I'm sure it's never. Yeah, it's not an easy. But there was no option. Right. No option at all, either to take it from him or to be as you were. Those are your only two options, yes. right? And by the way, I'm sure I'm sure the person who was helping you was very happy that you were taking his help. Yes, um, even though, but I understand it's not easy to be helped by somebody else. No, it's not easy. You know, as as I as I said, you know, what he has, what he does to me, or what he is doing, that a father doesn't do to to his son. You know, he, I can say that, you know, he invested, you know, thousands on me. Do you know, I, I just want to say, I think many people around the world would love to be able to help other people if they could find a way to help other people. And so I think you were, you were half of this. You were, you were somebody who who actually had a need. Yes, and yes, right. I had and, that need. I was looking, you know, who can who can get me from this dark? Yeah. Who can help me? Like, to travel? I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining how hard it was for you to, to not give up because it sounds like you were forging a path that you had to find yourself. You had to, you had to find your own path. Yes. There was no path for you. Yes, there was no, no, no. There, there, there was nothing, Mark. They, there was nothing. You know, I had nothing, but uh, he was there for me. And he, yeah. you know, talking to me every day. Every day he's talking to me, following up with me, everything, what happened, what is next. Don't worry. We will, we will go through this. You will go through this. You will get your master's degree. You will, you will, you will, you will. Then I did. Wow. How did you finally manage to do it? Like, yes. I mean, if you could do how, it how I managed, and now as I'm, I stopped when I told you that my university, um, uh, that they told you, right? Or to allow to attend my classes. So, what I have done at that time, or so far, was or has been pointless the only option is to obtain a visa from a can't my country or neighboring country egypt was impossible um but uh, you know at, th- at that time you know at that moment mark it seems that all all doors were closed and there was no hope of getting my visa as going to either egypt or jordan was an Possible mission. Both countries required no objection letter. Egypt needs money. Jordan needs time. And I didn't have none of them. (laughs) 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 I had nothing. That's why I I said it um, it was a possible mission for me. Um, The Jordanian no objection takes not less than three months to be obtained. And, and, and right. another point that Mark, the Egyptian, you know, although they, it needs uh, 1,500, and there was high possibility of getting me back to Gaza. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. At, at that time, there were many students from Gaza who got their acceptance, but they were not able to travel from Gaza. I was thinking what I would do if they got me back to Gaza. How- In other words, by, I- by, by you applying to to Egypt, you were risking that you would yeah, be... It's a high risk. They get yeah. me back to Gaza. Yeah. And people who are there are not able to leave or were not able to leave. Wow. I'm I'm starting to understand the the stark situation you were in. How did you break through? I mean, go on with your story. Yes. This is a- um up to that moment, my final destination seems Jordan, but I did not have time to apply for no objection letter. So I contacted the Palestinian embassy again with the hope of helping me out. And anything that I have done, Mark. I do that, or I have done that with a hope. Only with a hope that, you know, I'll get this. So I contacted the Palestinian embassy again with the hope of helping me to travel to Jordan. But, you know, unfortunately, they refused. But someone from the embassy, from the Palestinian embassy called Marwan, decided to help me with his connection with the Jordanian embassy. Ah, so some so somebody else was able to help. Yes, with his connection. And what does that mean exactly? Do you mean a connection in in uh, India? No, not in India. Uh, Mawan was was working at the Palestinian embassy. He know he he knows some people working from the Jordanian embassy. Aha. Okay. Okay. In this way, he was able to help me. Marwan advised me to approach the Jordanian embassy, and they will help me out. At that time, Mark, I was in my, at, at my university, so I had to travel to, to Delhi again. Uh, Jordanian visa officer heard my story. Uh, he decided to talk to the ambassador. He told me that um, uh, you need uh, to apply for no objection. I told him that I don't have time. I have no time. Then he decided to talk to the ambassador. Um, he went up and uh, talked to him around five to ten minutes, ten minutes, around ten minutes. Then he meets me again and advised me to leave my passport and to come back again after three days. Then I was, okay. you know, that give me such a kind of hope. They are taking my passport. They will give me something that can help me to travel to enter Jordan. Mm-hmm. And the next day, the visa officer called me over the phone to come to the embassy to collect my passport. And when I went there, I found a visa on it. I was, you know, the happiest in the world. <laughs> wow. Yes, yeah. I am approaching my dream. And again, 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 and again, the main problem come again. How can I travel to Jordan without money? Then right. my friend helped me again and provided me with all the money that I need, you know, from the flight ticket to the daily expenses to stay there. He covered. I mean, at this point, you're so close. You can't give up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, you know, he covered everything. I booked my ticket to Jordan. When I reached the airport, the immigration officer looked at me, looked looked at at my fees and at me, and asking, "Are you from Gaza?" I told him yes. Then he asked me to wait for five minutes again. You know, in each airport, I have a story. I was, <laughs> you know, at that moment, Mark. I will not forget this moment. I had all kinds of fears and scared. In other words, this person could destroy your whole plan. Yes, he can. He, he 
could destroy me and my future. Yeah. Um, after a while, someone called my name and asked me to follow him. I realized that I have to meet that Jordanian intelligence. I followed him and I arrived at that room where I had to meet the officer. The officer was holding my passport and asking uh, who gave me this visa. I told him that I obtained I obtained it from the Jordanian embassy in Delhi. Then he told me, uh, as you are from Gaza, I was not allowed to carry, you know, visa. I must obtain no objection letter. How, how, how come? How can I carry a visa, not a letter? <laughs> oh. oh, my God. And after that, he asked me, you know, if I know the ambassador personally. I told him I have never met him. He was surprised and seems that he didn't believe me and was saying, and I was saying, no, then, then, then he, he, he asked me, why the ambassador took full responsibility to give you a visa? I told him maybe he knows my story. Then the officer told me, what's your story? Because you've won this person's trust. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He asked you know, if, if, if I know the ambassador personally or not. I told him, no, I have never met him. And then why he decided to help you? Why he decided to take full responsibility? So, in other, I mean, I'm sort of putting this story together that the person who was helping you by giving this visa, then somebody else looks at it and says, why should this person help you? Yes. Yeah, he wants to know. <laughs> he wants to know why. You are from Gaza. You should get uh, no objection. Yeah. How dare you try to get a visa yes. when you're from Gaza? The visa's not for you. Not for you. Not for you. <laughs> then um, wow. like, I told him, uh, I told the officer, uh, the officer asked me, you know, what is, uh, what's your story and why you are here and why I want to visit Jordan. I told him my story and uh, I was able to convince him, you know, I told him the truth. And I was here only 14 days to obtain my visa from the Indian embassy. Then I would travel to India to pursue my study. And again, you will not see my face in all your life. Just allow me. Wow. Allow me only 14 days. That's what I need. <laughs> and what happened yeah. Happened at this moment, I never, never, never forget this moment when he was convinced and uh, it decided uh, to help me. So he seems convinced and I am still scared. He told me that, okay, uh, then I will cancel your visa and allow you to stay for two weeks. I told him, thank you, sir, but two weeks will not be enough. I need only 10 days. And Mark, and this, this, this is funny, but trust me, that's what happened. And the officer realized that I was scared and I didn't feel, you know, that comfortable. So the officer asked me how many days in a week. I told him seven days. Then he asked again, seven plus seven. I told him 14. After that, the officer said, I am allowing you to stay four more days. At this moment, I realized that I was out of my mind with you to, you know, Yes, you know, he's saying, I'll give you two wow, weeks. That's funny. That he's saying, the officer saying, I'll give you two weeks. I'm saying, no, I need to, <laughs> two weeks will not be enough. 
Wow. So you were out of your mind yes, momentarily. Yes, yes. You know, I, I was scared, Mark. I was thinking what he will do, either to Gaza or back to India. I don't right. where where he what he can do for me, either to Gaza or to India. Right. Wow. <laughs> Amazing story. Is there more to it or have you gotten to India now? No, not yet. Not not yet. Oh, I, am still, I am still in the in the in the, in the airport. Okay. Oh, I rem, you know I remember these days. Oh, and you know uh, after that, um, and from the airport, Mark, to the Indian embassy directly. Uh, then I found it, it, it closed. Uh, I came. In. Oh my god! Yes, because you know I spent <laughs> long time with the with the officer. You know he spent long time with me, asking me many questions. Right. And as as I told you, only I have a mission to get my visa, and I go from the right. to the only thing you wanted. That's that's my way. I don't look around. Only I have one way. Yeah. And I found it closed. I came the next day, and I submitted all my document and. I was surprised when they informed informed me that all my document had expired and I had to get oh. a new document to obtain my fees. Oh my god! Yes, you know I have wasted a lot of time. All my document was uh, were expired. I had to get a new scholarship document, if uh, a new uh, document from the university. No objection from the university, as the, I am exceeding the the, the deadline. If they are allowing me to uh, to start my classes or not, but overall, um, I luckily I was able to manage that. But this took around three weeks to get a document. This took three weeks. Three weeks in Jordan. Jordan is the most Arab expensive capital city. All my money, right. All my, right. my money has gone. I'm not in position to ask my friend to give me even one, one single or one one dollars. And now, and you only had fourteen days, right? Three. Then, and you said you only had fourteen days, yes, but right now I am overstaying one week. That's pretty scary. Yes, as a result, I am staying overstaying one week, and uh, when I received my visa mark, my happiness is could not be distributed to the whole world, you know. It needs another world. Wow. Yes, it need, I got, finally I got my visa. After long struggle, I got my visa. And I didn't wait for any moment. So my university had started and they almost, almost, Mark, almost finished a month. One month has been completed. All the money I had was done. I was able to manage 15 Jordanian dinar for the taxi to the airport. You know, I spent 13 Jordanian dinar for the taxi and I am left with two Jordanian dinar. Only I arrived at the airport with two Jordanian dinar. At that time, at that time, I was thinking, you know, what what they will do with them because, you know, I am overstaying. Right. I could not ask my friend to send me even 10 or 15 or 50 or 100 USD. He already spent more, Mark. You know, he spent thousands. Till now, he spent thousands. 
You know, he's trying with me. I'm not trying alone. I'm not trying alone. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's talking. Right. Yes, I'm not yeah. alone. He's been thousand till now. And I, you know, but I had no option. I had no option. At the airport, they told me, or the immigration officer told me, I was overstaying for one week and I had to pay 12 Jordanian dinar. I told the officer that I had only two Jordanian dinar. Then he looked at me and asked if I was from Gaza or not. I told him, yes, yes, sir, I am from Gaza. Then Mark, he took 10 Jordanian dinar from his pocket and asked me to give him that I had. And the problem was solved. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So again, somebody's helping you out when you most need it. Yes, but I don't know that person. He's an officer. He's an officer, and I don't know him. I have never met him, and he doesn't know me. Uh, I don't know. He decided to help me. I told him that, sir, I have only two. I don't know. I have nothing. I don't have money. I have only two dinar. You know, uh, he you know took ten, ten, 10 from his pocket. He paid ten from his pocket and give me. He said, "Give me your two." Uh, I gave him, yes. and he gave me, he sent my, my passport to me, you, 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 you can go now. Wow. Yes. <laughs> that is so I am, great. I am really thankful to that person, even though I don't know him. I don't know his name, but I am thankful to him. And uh, the problem was solved, Mark, and now I have arrived in India. But again, I arrived with no money, Mark. You know, I have nothing. Right. Uh, no, nothing, nothing. I called someone who I got to know from the university and asked him if he could pay for my for the taxi driver, and I would pay him back, and he agreed. I arrived at the university with nothing, nothing, nothing. No, I had nothing, zero, empty. Oh my God! Yes. And uh, that that person he agreed. Um. Uh, that, uh, okay. Yes, Mark here. Uh, the day I arrived at the university, that was at night. The next day was my first exam. <laughs> oh my God! Started. Almost, I have wasted one month. I doubt you had much time to study. No, no, have no, no time to study, and I arrived very tired from Jordan. And wow! Oh. And, you know, the next day was my first exam. I know nothing about what they have studied so far. And at the same time, there was no time to study. You know, I appeared appeared for the exam and all my marks were less than 10 out of 25. I graduated from the first semester with a 6 out of 10. And the next semester was was 7 out of 10, and the third one was 8 out of 10, Mark. So I was not playing at that time. I was only studying, you know, from 6 to 8. I I did well. And uh, once all my exam, first exam, were over in the first semester, I went to the university library to bring all related books, and I started from the zero till I covered what I had missed. And... um, I was preparing for the coming classes during my master's degree. I would like to mention here also uh, the holiday time. All Indian students go to their villages and all international students go to discover India. India is a very beautiful place. And, right. you know, I did not go. 
anywhere. Uh, but I was studying. I am preparing for my PhD. where you were. Yes. Yeah. During the, my master holidays, I was preparing for my PhD program. Uh, till now, Mark, till now, up to this moment, I have not visited any place in India. India is a very nice place to be visit and discover. I'm sure. But yeah. my mission is to study, and I'm not in a position to travel around India. Right. It's not uh, the time, but I believe time will come. When I was in uh, my final semester, I was, you know, I started, or I was looking for a scholarship to complete my PhD. I was weighing too much about getting a scholarship, and without scholarship, I could not complete my scholar, my PhD. How can I pay that? How can I pay my fees or tuition fees? And my Canadian friend promised me if I was not, if I was not, accepted into any scholarship he would cover my fees and monthly stipend till I get my scholarship and that was the biggest support you know among many isn't it and he told me that I want you to get your PhD he told me awesome. he told me that if you didn't if you don't get any scholarship don't worry I'll pay wow yes but luckily luckily I uh, I'm so lucky. I was accepted into my PhD program while I was in the final stage of my last semester of my master's degree. And when I was in the third semester, yes, this is here. And when I was in the third semester, I got to know my wife through a common friend, as I mentioned, and we decided to get married. And my Canadian friend supported me at this stage also. And saying that nice. it's a good time for you to get married. And, you know, and he, he, at that time, he helped me, but not the fully support, but he, you know, he pushed me. You know, maybe I can say that the highest, you know, uh, he, he, he has done. And when I was in my last semester, I had to do six weeks internship. I talked to my friend at find an organization for me to do this internship. Then I was introduced to World Being War. I had my internship and I had completed it under the guidance of Greta, you know. She was a very nice and a kind person, you know. From this broadcast, I sent her my regard. And Great. You're talking about Greta Zara. Yes, Greta Zara, right. And mm -hmm. I graduated from my university with master's degree. Now I am a holder of my of a master's degree. And uh, this marks the end of the first chapter of my life out of Gaza. Well, <laughs> I want to say to you, Mohammed, that you are, you're acknowledging the help of others. Yes. But the reason people helped you is they saw something in you. Yes. You know, they, they, and people, people want to help. And you, you helped yourself and you helped your family and you help, you're helping the world by working so hard and being so motivated. Yes, Mark, I, you know, I, I always say that I have graduated from my Canadian friend's school. He, yes, I have graduated from his school. That, uh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, he teach me many things. You know, he, um, at least, you know, one, one of his advice, advices was uh, to help other. You know, when you find someone who's in need, help him or help her. Right. 
And but the the main question is, who deserve your help? How do you answer that question? Ah, this is something that it can't be answered easily, but it depends on the relationship that you are or you you have. Like for example, I I am helping a friend who 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 I know for a long time. Maybe I can judge if he deserve or not. But um, you help, like for example, you help someone in the street. You help them, um, and. Uh, the help it cannot uh, be generalized as one help. There's many kind, many various types right. of, of help. Well, I wonder if you ever consider that you also helped your friend, and you also help World Beyond War, and you help you help me. You have you, Muhammad, helped me because you and I did this project together. Yes. And if you were not half of that project, I wouldn't have been able to do my half of that project. Yes, I'm talking about the maps. The maps. Yes, I, um, I know. We 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 helped actually. We worked closely. You, I I mean, I bet that your Canadian friend has been. Ha, I bet it brings him great happiness. Yes, to know that you you took his help and turned it into your life, you know, and you created a family and you had to, you got married and had two children. And I think that you, you know, I just wonder if you ever think about the fact that this helps other people as well, because you should feel great about, yeah, your story is very, your story is very inspiring. It really is. Um, And I, and I, I just hope that you don't think that you've only been a recipient of help and that you think about how you help others because you and, do. Uh, I told you I have graduated from high school. So you have, you, 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 you must be sure that I am from his school. So I am helping whenever I can and helping others. Right. Helping, helping other. You know, without his help, I could be nothing. But with his help, you know, I am at least something. And uh, when I see or realize that where people need are in need or in bad need for help, I do help. You know, blindly, Mark. Uh, blindly, I help people and people who come here. You see, for example, Mark here, people, students come from around the world, and they, you know, I have that experience. I have that experience, and I, I, there is one situation I would like to mention here, Mark, from, uh, I told you I was in Sumatra and I traveled to Jakarta to uh, to the Indian embassy. And when ar- I arrived at, in Jakarta, the bus stopped at the bus stations and I took my luggage and I went, where I can go? Where I can go? I put my luggage, then I sit on the street I text my friend. I told him that I am in the street. What I can do? What I can do at this moment? So I know the feeling. I know the feeling. Yes. Out of your country, or I, 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 I know the feeling to be in need, or to be you know because uh, I have that experience. 
this is the first time I share my story publicly. Really? You you know, you did tell me some of this before, you but you've told me, told you told me more. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I want to tell you how how inspiring it is. I think not only to me, but to anybody who's listening to this, to just hear about, you know, somebody who's facing these absurd and humiliating problems of being told being told that you have nowhere to go. Yes. And being told that you have no rights. Yes. And that you managed to form relationships and win people's trust. And because people trusted you and people saw who you were, they decided to help you. How how inspiring that is. And I just, you know, what I hope from this podcast is that others will will feel strengthened about, to do something. Yes. And if 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 everyone who is able to help help someone who is in need, yes. our society will completely be changed. You will not see this stupid stuff around the around the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Improve, but um, we don't offer. We don't. Uh, I'll not say we don't. But people who are in good positions are not offering hand to help other people who who are in need. Right. Well, and that's why this is a story where it did. You know, I think this is what World Beyond War is about, is about helping people build connections and from one conflict zone and one crisis zone to another. Yes. Um, yes. Your, your story is a great one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. And I think it's so moving that here I am, you know, a Jewish American, Jewish so-called American, you know, I'm not that crazy about the American part sometimes. Um, and you are a, a Palestinian in India and you and I manage, even though it's morning over here and it's evening over there and we're on opposite sides of the world, that you and I have gotten to know each other. Yes, and I'm very, um, I'm very glad and it's a good uh, opportunity um, to talk to you, Mark, and to work with you and uh, to all the listeners out there thank you for turning on hope you find today's discussion both um, informative and engaging and again thank you mark so much for having me today and thank you too mohammed let's do it again thank you so much
much for listening to today's podcast. Our podcast is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Don't forget to give us a rating. Visit worldbeyondwar.org to learn more about the social and environmental impacts of the war machine and get involved in the movement for a world beyond war.